everybody. Boy, what a week this has been. Amen. I want to just say hello to all of you that are doing online service with us this weekend. Obviously, this is the first time in the history of our church, probably the history of church in the world, that all these churches around the city are doing church online this week. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? And uh, from last weekend just to this weekend, we've seen a major shift uh, in this corona virus outbreak. And I'm sure most of you have been keeping up with all the news about how this is going to affect the way we do life for the immediate future in our city and in America. And I hope all of us have been in prayer and many of us have been talking to leaders around the world. We've been having conversations with uh, pastors in the city as well as pastors around the nation. We've been discussing about how do we handle this? How do we handle this as a church? How do we do church services and any other events that the church may have in in play. And to be honest with you, it's kind of been a difficult uh, way or a difficult season to know exactly what to do because we're people of faith. And I don't think anyone who knows the Lord wants to give into fear or worry. At the same time, all of us on the leadership team agreed that we needed to push the pause button for this weekend. And we needed to gather the sort of gather information about what's really going on and kind of take the pressure off of all of you that are watching online so you don't have to decide, do I go to church or do I stay at home? It kind of takes the pressure off. And I know many of you would have preferred to push through the fear and have normal church services, but at the same time, we have to take into consideration everyone who attends Victory who might be compromised if they would be exposed to this virus. Our goal in this season of the church is to strike a balance between walking by faith and walking by wisdom. And as you know, much of Atlanta is starting to shut down. Uh, Most of the school systems have gone to online uh, classes, and I know all the parents love that. Uh, Many businesses have shifted from uh, working in their workplace to working at home. But we all, and we all begin to sense that we were in real trouble when they shut down the NBA. We knew all of a sudden our attention, we got our attention. Okay, they're shutting down NBA basketball. We can't watch basketball anymore. We knew, okay, this is a pretty serious deal. Now, I've been a pastor here at Victory for 30 years, and we've navigated a lot of crisis in America. Perhaps probably the greatest one up until this time was 9-11. And most of you remember 9-11 and the moment that it created in our nation, the fear that it created and generated. We had a lot of people uh, not knowing what our future was going to look like. We realized that now we've entered into a whole different dimension of life in terms of terrorism in the world, and it changed our world. That event changed our world. And for the last 19 years, almost 20 years, it has created a whole atmosphere now where people are very concerned about terrorism, but eventually that passed. But this event is a little different. This event is different because it's, it's in our home. It's personal. It's in everyone's home. Everyone has to deal with the thought of a virus getting into their life, into their body, causing problems in their family, causing problems in their jobs, their economics. This is a little bit closer to home. In fact, as long as I've been alive, I'll just be honest with you, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything unfold as quickly as this. I've never seen as much fear and uncertainty. And I don't think uh, most of us have ever lived through something like this. This is kind of a defining moment for the life of people. At the same time, I think we all know that at some point it will pass and, we look, and we'll look back on this event as a real indicator of where our faith was with God and also how we prepared ourselves for difficult times like this. 
I think we have to be aware that going forward, there's going to be a tension in the world between people of faith and people who don't have faith. I think it's easy for people who don't have faith to tell people of faith to give up their faith, to focus just on the reality of the moment and not really think about their faith. What's difficult is for people of faith to hold on to their faith when everyone around them is operating out of fear. And that's the challenge that we face as people in the church and people who believe in God. And I think there's some scripture that I want to just start with. And the first one is 2 Timothy chapter 1, and this is verse 7. Paul says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. How many of you know fear, in essence, is a spirit? It's not just a feeling. Behind that feeling, there is a spirit called the spirit of fear. But he, he, gave, he gives us power, love, and a sound mind. In other words, when you're lacking power and you're lacking love and you're lacking a sound mind, usually you're giving in to some concept of fear. But the Bible says fear does not belong in the believer's life. Amen. I want you to say that with me. I want you to repeat that verse. And I know this is a little strange online, but I want you to say that verse with me. So we're going to put it up here. Let's say it together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? People who don't know God will always succumb to the spirit of fear. What I've learned over my life is the closer I am to God, the less I fear. If I'm constantly battling with fear or anxiety or worry, somewhere along the line, I've moved away from God and I've started to listen to other voices. You know, I don't know if you've been watching the news. You can't help but watch the news. And all of us watch the news periodically to keep up with what's going on. But I think probably now we're watching a little bit more just to see what new developments are arising. But last week as I started watching the news, I started to feel fear come on me. I felt like, oh, wow, look at this. This is, this, is, this is not what I thought. If you were like me when this first broke out, we thought, okay, this is an event. We're going to see it unfold like Ebola or SARS or, or swine flu, some of these other events that have come with different promises they were going to sweep the earth, but they didn't. And we thought, well, eventually we'll, we'll figure this out. America, we're such a great country. We've got all the medicine, the science, all the things. We can cure this thing. And then all of a sudden, Things shifted just in a matter of a few days where it started spreading. And people started seeing that we weren't on the end of this disease. We're just on the beginning of it. And that's where the timing kind of threw us off and it started to produce fear. So when I started feeling fear, here's what I like to do when I start feeling fear as I go back to the Bible and I read the word. Because the word counteracts the fears of this world. Amen. So I'm going to just take a moment, I'll read a couple scriptures, and let's just meditate on these scriptures. All right, here's the first one. The first one is in John 14, verse 7. This is where Jesus is talking to those who are following him, and he says, peace, everybody say peace, peace I leave with you. So in other words, we're supposed to be walking in peace. My peace I give you, I do not give it to you like the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, when he was telling us this, you got to remember, Jesus in his day, that was a dangerous time. 
Was, the, the, anybody that would follow Jesus in those days was taking their life in their hands. They could lose their life at any moment. And when a disease or a plague would come through the land back then, they didn't have modern medicine. They didn't have hospitals. They didn't have the doctors that we have today. They had to believe God for their healing. And he was telling them that when you understand who I am, you will have peace in the midst of trouble. You'll have a peace that the world does not understand, does not have. All right, here's another scripture. And this is the one that I think most of us have read at some point if we're a follower of God, but maybe we've forgotten. This is David, the psalmist, writing this. And David was certainly another leader in his time that led through difficult times. And these scriptures are supposed to be scriptures to encourage us. And here's what he says in Psalm 91. I'm just going to read a few verses And I want you to let these sink in. First of all, he says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, notice, where are you going to find rest? In the shelter of the Most High. He says, those who live there. And indicating that if you're not living there, (laughs) you're not going to be feeling any rest. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap, and check this out, and protect you from every deadly disease. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Say amen to that as you're watching us online. Then he says this in verse 6. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness. Check this out nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at your side and through 10,000 are dying around you, these evils, check it out, will not touch you. They will not touch you. Now, if you're sitting there listening to this, well, I don't know if I agree with that. That's because you don't have faith. If you have faith, you believe that. If you don't have faith, then you'll always doubt what God's word says. And at some point, you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to be a person who's going to believe God at his word and put my trust in him, really believe what he says, where he says a thousand will fall one side, 10,000 another side, but God is protecting me. He's watching over me. And then he says this in Psalm 91, he says in verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Notice he didn't say I'll rescue everybody. He said, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name or who have faith in me. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in their trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them, look at this, with a long life. Everybody say long life. Come on, that's a promise from God. And give them my salvation. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever had the devil come to you with the thoughts, well, you're, you're probably going to get this and you're going to die or something like that. That's not the promise that God said over you. He said he's going to reward you with a long life. And you may be out there watching right now and you could be threatened with something other than this disease, something that may be threatening your life. Can I just tell you something? God wants you to be healed. He wants you to receive the promise of health and wholeness. It's a part of his plan for our life. And so... One of the things that Jesus was trying to get across when he was on the earth, one of his main messages is when when people start surrendering their lives to him was he was trying to tell them, look, when you follow me, you're going to get attacked. There's an enemy and the enemy is not God. God's not putting this sickness on the earth. 
He's not the author of sickness and disease. Satan is the author of sickness and disease. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. And when you sign up for God, you become a target of the enemy. He says, you're going to come, and when you start to follow me, you're going to get attacked. You're going to be in times of trouble. But as long as you stay with me and you shift from fear to faith, you're going to walk through this. You're going to walk through this. Everything he did was based on faith. And he told them this. He says, do you believe this? If you're going to be my disciple, (laughs) do you believe? Now, there's something about people of faith that God will pass over a thousand people of doubt and unbelief to get to one person of faith. You remember the woman, at the, we- the woman who had the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5? It said she'd had this disease all of her life. She, could, she went to the doctor, spent all that she had, and got none the better. And then she said with her mouth, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. So she presses through the crowd. She finally touches Jesus. Jesus asks her, I asked the crowd, I should say, who touched me? The disciples say, well, who touched you? Thousands of people are touching you. They all want to touch you. And Jesus said, no, someone touched me and virtue came out of me. It drew virtue out of me. And finally, the woman spoke up and she said, it's me. And she, she was receiving her healing. And Jesus said to her, woman, he said, your faith has made you well. Your faith, not my faith, not my sovereign choice of choosing you amongst all these people. There was something about the woman of faith that drew healing into her body that caused her to be healed in spite of the fact that there were hundreds of people there that needed healing. Now think about this. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to live with God, if you're going to receive the full benefit of God, if you're going to move beyond religion into a real relationship with God, you're going to have to learn to shift from walking by fear to walking by faith. Amen? In Luke chapter 18 and verse 8, where Jesus is talking about healing and different things, and he makes this startling statement about what's going to happen when he comes back on the second return, and here's what he's, on his return, he says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly, but he says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Now, let me just tell you something. A lot of us talk the faith talk, but we don't always walk the faith walk. And so, this is a moment. This is a, this is a real moment for the church of whether or not we really believe whether God is going to take care of us. All right, so over the years of going through different crises and just seeing different things come around and everybody prophesying doom and gloom, I have found that there's three things that people of faith do that's different than people that are in the world. And this is for our church, and I want to help you as a church person, church member, or follower, or those of you that are watching us online I want to help you understand these three principles. If you get these three principles, this will will separate you from the fears that are around you in the world. All right, so number one, write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, people of faith focus on the promise instead of the problem. Their focus is on the promise instead of the problem. Now, again, I'm not saying you deny the problem. I'm not saying that you don't recognize there is a problem that we're dealing with. 
But you have to understand, if you keep your eyes solely on the problem, it will steal your faith. It will create doubt in your heart that God will take care of you. All right, so Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians, and here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though things are difficult, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And then he says, but our light affliction is for a moment. It's just for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while, while we do not look at the things which are seen, <laughs> but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. You know what that word temporal means? That means they're subject to change. What you see happening right now, you understand this because you've lived long enough in the earth to know that whatever you see happening right now eventually will change. How many of you believe that? It's going to change. We don't know when it's going to change. We're a little uncertain of how the timing of the change, but we know at some point this is going to shift, this is going to change. And so we have to see past where we're currently going through right now because this is temporal and you cannot focus your life around the temporal if you're going to be a person of faith. You've got to see which, what, that which is eternal that doesn't change. And what doesn't change, listen to me carefully, is God's word. God's word never changes. Now, how many of you know every single day people say things and the next day they change it? They don't always keep their word. And a lot of times we don't understand that's not how God functions. What I had to learn when I start, first became a Christian was that there's only one thing in life that I can stand on knowing that it never changes. That no matter what circumstances out there, it's not going to change. And that is what God has said. The Bible says once God says something, he never changes. He's a God who doesn't change off of what he said. So once he makes a statement, once he makes a promise, once he tells us something about himself or what he will do or how he will do it, He's saying to us, now listen, this promise is not just for people in the Old Testament or people that were back in the days of Jesus. This is a promise that is for the rest of eternity because I'm the God who changes not. And what I've learned about people sometimes is a lot of times when they start to have trouble, they start to change in what they believe. They believe in God as long as everything is going well and things are going good in their life and maybe their marriage is good and their health is good. But as soon as attack comes, as soon as something comes to kind of uproot their life a little bit, they shift their focus over on the problem instead of the promise. You really never know a person until they get under pressure and start having to deal with problems in their lives. So when you read the Bible, it's clear that even though God loves people, we have an enemy who hates us, who's constantly attacking us, trying to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. You think about the diseases that are in the world. Think about the millions of lives every, every year that have to deal with these diseases. This is, just a, this is just one disease. Think about if you were living in the third world right now, where every day you wake up and there's the threat of malaria 
where literally millions upon millions of people die of malaria. It doesn't hit home with us because we don't have malaria in America, so we're not worried about malaria. But how many of you know there are a whole lot more people dying from malaria than the coronavirus? Millions of people in the third world that have to deal with that and they don't have doctors, they don't have the medicine, they don't have the vaccines that they need. And so at some point when they become a follower of Christ, they have to use their faith to be healed. They have no other options. The reason many times we don't use our faith is because we have too many options. We look at all the other options first instead of looking at God's promises. But yet God has promised healing for our body. David was saying this in the book of Psalms as he was reminding us of what he said in Psalm 103. Listen to what he says. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So he starts off this, this talk with God, this prayer with God. This is a prayer of faith. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. In case you're ever eating in a restaurant and you forget to bless your food, that's a good prayer. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is already within me. (laughs) Bless his holy name. Sometimes I forget to pray right off the bat, so I just pray that prayer. (laughs) O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Everybody say benefits. Benefits. All right. Now, what are the benefits? He said, who forgives all your iniquities. How many of you believe God has forgiven you of all of your sins? He's forgiven not all, not some of your sins, but every sin that's ever been committed, the Bible says Jesus has provided forgiveness on the cross. Would you agree with that? I think most people that follow God believe in that. But then he makes this following statement that I think most, most people, including Christians, completely forget. He said he forgives you of all your sins, and then he says who forgives all your iniquities and who heals some of your diseases. He says all. Everybody say all. All, all of your diseases. Not some of your diseases. And then he says, who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth, I love this, I'm an old man now, who renews your youth like the eagles. Come on, somebody. That means that no matter how old you are, and I know the coronavirus is particularly damaging for older people, the Bible says if you remember to have faith in God, You can still have your youth renewed like the eagles, even if you're an old man like me. Come on. All right. I think that's an important statement. He says, don't forget this. He said, don't forget my benefits. Focus your your attention not on what you're experiencing, but on what I promised you. Then Isaiah says this in Isaiah 43, 2. When you go through deep waters, check this out, I will be with you. Now, there's nothing like knowing that God is with you. How many of you know that God is with you right now? He is right there in your home. You don't have to go to church to have God with you. And he says, when you're going through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. You're going to be okay. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You think God was trying to get a point across to his people that would follow him? He was trying to say to them, if you stay with me, if you stay hooked up with me, you keep your faith in me, listen to me, you're going to make it. No matter what you're going through, you're going to make it. God is not looking down from heaven at our lives and saying, I sure hope he makes it. (laughs) That's not how God views us. Y'all agree with that? 
You have a promise from God that no matter what you're, what's going on in the land, he is watching over you and he will protect you. I believe that. Do you believe that? I believe that. The first promise is you focus on the promise and not on the problem. The second thing is you've got to speak the word in spite of your thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, my biggest battle is between my ears. What goes on inside this mind of mine? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Where you start to think, and how many times, know, how many of you know that sometimes you can think too much? You can lay awake and think about things. You can start worrying about things, fretting things, worrying about your family, worrying about your health, worrying about your finances, worrying about all these things. And what I've discovered is that words that come out of your mouth have a lot to do with what goes on in your mind. Your words have power. We don't realize how much our words have power. And you usually can identify a person by the words that come out of their mouth. So here's what the writer of Proverbs says about speaking. It says in Proverbs 18, 21, you all probably seen this verse, death and life, let's say it together, death and life. See, death and life are in the power of your tongue and those that love it will eat the fruit of it. In other words, you become a byproduct of words that you speak. You have power in your confession, what you say with your mouth. The message version says it this way. He says, words kill and words give life. They're, they're either poison or they're fruit. And then he goes, you choose. Now, you hear this all the time whenever there's flu season or it's colds or whatever. You know, oh, I'll probably get the flu this year or I, went, I caught a cold. Why would you want to go out and catch a cold? Let the cold pass you by. Amen. Don't be catching things that are not yours. Don't be speaking. Listen to me. Don't be speaking death over you. And don't speak death over your children. Don't speak death over your family members. Don't speak death over America. Don't speak the words of death. When you start to speak those things, you have, you're releasing your faith for the wrong things. You're releasing your faith to agree with the enemy instead of releasing your faith to agree with God. Now, I'm not talking about name it and claim it. I'm just talking about the power of your tongue. And whenever I see someone with a serious disease, like if I go to, to a, a visit a person who has a serious disease, I don't walk in the room and start talking about their problem. I don't start saying, okay, <clears throat> I'm here and it looks like you're not going to make it. I don't think you want me to come and say that to you, right? You got cancer or you got the coronavirus and it's really, it's really getting worse, it's really bad. Have you ever been in a room with somebody that talks like that? And I remember one time I, I had an aunt, and she was, she was dying of cancer. She had a really bad uh, bout with cancer. And they said, you need to come to the hospital. Your aunt's dying, and, and you need to you know, pray with her. You might not see her again tomorrow. She, she might not make it through the night. So I rushed and got in the car. This is back in the early 90s. And I'm this young believer. I just started the church, and I've just got all the zeal. I'm going to pray over her. And I get over there, and her whole family, her kids, her sons are there. Her husband's there. Her mother and father are there. They're all in the room, and they're all just, I mean, literally weeping and crying over her bed. And she is laying there with all this going on around her. And I'm sure 
she was thinking, help, get these people out of here. Her whole family had already settled in that she was going to die. And so I said to her, and I'm just, you know, I'm just a young guy. I don't have much tact. I just said, do you want to live? I, I said, do you want to live? And she said, of course I want to live. And, I, and her family were looking at me like, what are you saying that for? You're trying to give her hope. She's already been told this is it. We've already planned the funeral. It's all ready to go. And she said, no, I want to live. And I said, would you like me to pray for you? And she said, I would love for you to pray for me. And I said, okay. I said, can I just, can I just for a moment... Can I just for a moment set the parameters for this prayer? I said, I know that I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but for right now, for me to be able to use my faith, could I ask all of you to leave the room, please? All of you to leave the room. They got mad at me. How dare you ask us to leave the room when you're going to pray? And I said, I need, a, I need an atmosphere of faith. And I said, I know you're not right there right now, but, but I can't. I can't be all about how you feel about this. I came here to help my aunt to live. So they, they reluctantly left the room except one of her sons. And one of her sons stayed in the room. And I said, I said to her son, I said, Matt, I said, you can only stay in the room if you believe she can be healed. He said, I believe she can be healed, Dennis. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I can't stand this fam, family stuff that's going on right now. Let's pray. So we prayed. We grabbed hands. We prayed. I prayed over her. I confessed the word of God over her. I spoke the word of God instead of the, the, the thoughts that were going on in my mind. I said, no, I believe the word's true. And I prayed for her to be healed. And she smiled and she kind of sat up in the bed and she thanked me for the prayer. And then I, I left. I went home. The next day, I get a call from her husband saying, Dennis, I don't know what you prayed, but something shifted last night. And they said she took a turn for the better, and now they're releasing her to go home, and she's starting to recover. Now, listen, does that happen all the time? No, but can I just tell you something? I, the last thing I want for somebody to do for me when I'm sick is to speak doubt, unbelief, and fear over me. Would you agree with that? All right, now look at it. Look at, why would you say that over yourself? Why would you be your own worst enemy? Why would you talk that way about yourself when you don't want people to do that for you? Why would you confess that over yourself? Would you all agree with that? All right, so you've got to confess what the Word says over what you're thinking. You've got to focus on the promise, not the problem. And then finally, third, you've got to remember this. This is a big revelation that God is fighting for you. Ooh, just thinking about that, that God is fighting for me. In fact, why don't we say that together? God is fighting for me. One of the things I've learned about God is that when I'm going through something difficult, if it seems too big, if it seems too big in my life, look at this, it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me. If it's too big, it must belong to God. Would you all agree that this coronavirus is too big for you? It's too big for me. It's too big for you. So it has to belong to God. It has to belong. This fight, this battle has to belong to God. And I had to get this revelation that God is fighting for me. He's fighting for me. You know, there's a famous story in the book of Exodus. Y'all know the story. And there's a lot of stories like this, but this was probably the most famous one in the book of Exodus where Moses has led the Israelites who are 
God's chosen people. And by the way, do you know that you are also, you that are watching, are God's chosen people? You're God's chosen people. When I say chosen, I mean when you responded to God, you're his son and his daughter. And when you said yes to Jesus, listen to me, he became your father. He became responsible for you. You are now his responsibility. He's taking responsibility for you because you're his son and daughter. He doesn't have responsibility for people who reject him, but for those who receive him, those who are adopted by God, he is responsible for you. And when he's responsible for you, don't you know if you're a parent and you have a son or a daughter that's going through something, you are going to fight for them. You're not going to just give up on anything that's going on. You're going to fight a fight for them. And this is what God was doing for Israel. They were his chosen people. They had believed God. They had now come out of Egypt. They were on their way into the promised land. But now Pharaoh has caught up to them. And now he's got this amassed army that's about to come and wipe the Jewish people out. Wipe Israel off the state of the map. And the people are backed up to the Red Sea. They're backed right up to the Red Sea. There's nowhere for them to go. This situation has no good outcome. It has no possibilities. They cannot fight the battle and win the battle because they don't have the ability to fight the battle against the Pharaoh's army. And here's what Moses says in Exodus 14 and verse 13. Then Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. I'm sure as soon as he said that, as soon as that came out of his mouth, I'm sure they said, oh, you're sure, Moses. Do not be afraid. Are you crazy? Look at what's happening here. Do not be afraid. Take your stand. Take your stand. Be firm and confident and undismayed and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For those Egyptians, check the statement that Moses is saying. For those Egyptians that are coming at us, this massive army that's coming at us with weapons that we can't fight against, whom you have seen today, you will never see again. Whoa, what a statement of faith. He says, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent and remain calm. In other words, don't start speaking doubt and unbelief. If you can't do anything, stay neutral. Stay neutral. Don't, if you can't speak faith, at least don't say doubt and unbelief and stay calm. We all know the history of it. We know the story. It's the most famous story in the Old Testament. God parts the Red Sea. The people go through the Red Sea. As soon as the armies come into the Red Sea, the sea comes, collapses over them. And in just one moment, the whole armies are wiped away. And the people didn't do one thing to make that happen. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll just see time and time again where when God's people would face unbelievable circumstances, God would begin to intervene and fight for them. Sometimes you will face a battle in your life where you find yourself unequipped to win. And at that point, you shift from trying to win the battle on your own to putting your faith in the one who can annihilate the enemy. I don't know about you, but I know that God can annihilate sickness and disease. He can annihilate a virus, amen? amen. And throughout the Bible, you see where, time, where Israel is constantly fighting and outnumbered, and God fights their battle. How many of you know that's the same God that you serve today? 
You have to have faith that God will fight the battle for you. All right, so look at the scriptures. Deuteronomy 3.22. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Woe. Deuteronomy 24. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. And then my favorite is in the New Testament where Paul writes this in Romans 8, verse 31. He says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? Woo! Come on, somebody. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing your condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Oh, I love that. Don't you? Who, would de- who are you, devil, to try to put something like this on us? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is the presence of God at this very moment, in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Everybody say, no way. No way. All right, there's no way. Now listen, I'm not overconfident that I can overcome anything. I'm not overconfident. Oh, I got a good immune system. My body can bear with this. Even if I get sick, I'll be all right. I'm not overconfident in that. I know, I recognize that, that this thing that's going on could, could take anyone down, but I am confident that I have a God that is fighting for me. And if God is for me, it doesn't matter what's against me. That's what the Bible's saying. If God is fighting for you, then you realize that, man, we're going to win this battle. Not because, not because I can win this battle. It's because I know God has already won the battle. Sickness and disease is a byproduct of the enemy. Listen to me carefully. Just like sin that's already been defeated. It's already been defeated. In fact, it says it in the Bible. It says Jesus when he conquered Satan, he conquered him completely. He conquered him completely. He took from him all authority in the earth. He has no authority unless you give him the authority. And the way we give him authority is we give up on God and we yield our, our fears to our fears instead of to our faith. So if you, don't, if you have authority and he doesn't have authority, how does, he, how does he get you to give in to sickness and disease? By believing the wrong things, by speaking the wrong things. And by forgetting that you have a God that fights your battle. Amen? So as we start to go forward, as we start to go forward now into the future, let me just tell you something. There's no promise that things are going to get easier. No promise. It doesn't say the world is going to get easy. He says in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But he says, be of good cheer, listen to me, because I've overcome the world. I've overcome it. And God, listen to me, He is on your side. Now, I believe this is the moment right now in the body of Christ. I think this is a divine moment. I'm not glad that we're going through this. I'm not happy about this, but I am glad to know this, that when we go through this, we're going to see God move. We're going to see God move in the lives of believers. And the Bible says one of the things that we're called to do in this last day is to be lights in the midst of the darkness to not succumb to the fears of man. It doesn't mean we don't use wisdom 
and, and do the things that are necessary to protect us from anything, you know, getting on our bodies. But sometimes, sometimes that's impossible to completely protect yourself. And at some point, you just got to say, okay, God, you are my protector. Your blood is over my house. Your blood is over my children. Your blood is over my body. And no matter what evil thing is floating through the land, I thank you that no evil thing can gain entrance into my life. By faith, God, by faith, we go through this by faith, not by fear. And as we walk through this, whether it's through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with us. I want you to take a moment. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. I want you to think about that. Just think about that thought. You are with us. You are with us. Through this valley that we're going through, the shadow of death that we're going through, that's all, along, all over the land right now. It's creating a disruption in our daily lives. We don't like this disruption, but God, as we go through this valley, you are with us. And if you're with us, you're also for us. And if you're for us, it doesn't matter what's against us. But I want to ask you now, because you might be watching us online, maybe for the first time, or you may be a follower of God, but maybe your life hasn't been exactly following God lately. You're kind of starting to rethink that a little bit. It may be it takes something like this to shake us up a little bit, to really think about our relationship with God. And maybe you're here watching us online church this weekend. And today is your day of surrender to Christ. Today is your day to say yes to Jesus. He doesn't make this promise to everyone. He makes this promise to those who love him, to those who follow him, to those who believe him. And so I want to lead us in a prayer. And those of you that are watching, if you would pray this prayer, let's pray this out loud. This is our moment of just committing our lives to Christ. Right in this middle of this crisis, let's say this, Jesus, right now, I repent of my sins. I turn away from the darkness, the doubt, the fear, and I turn to you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. I believe you are the Son of God who died on a cross for my sins and rose from the dead. And this day, I surrender my life to you, Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Now, all across the city, all across the world, all of you that are watching us in our online service, I want you to lift your hands right now to the Lord. And I want you to just let your heart surrender I want you to have a moment where you just release fear, anxiety, concerns, all of it. Release it to the Lord. And now receive the perfect peace that passes all understanding. That God is on your side. He's for you. He'll watch over you. He'll protect you. As we use wisdom and we move forward into the future, God, you are with us every single day every single hour, every single minute. And we thank you and we give you praise. We give you praise, Jesus, for what you're going to do in our lives as we go forward. And we thank you for these things because we are people of faith. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's all give him praise. Let's give him praise.